0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 19 and uh, we have some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, just to give you a quick uh, overview of the topics we're going to be discussing today, just so you you know, <laughs> know uh, whether or not you should keep listening, um, I want to talk about the BMW M2 by Futura 2000 um, because I was actually there in LA for the unveiling of that and that was really interesting. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the lack of wagons in the U.S. I know I've kind of talked about this, you know, a million times before you're probably all sick of hearing me talk about it, but it's important because uh, the topic sort of came back up recently uh, in, in the media, and I kind of want to just rehash that a little bit. And then lastly, I want to talk about the Volkswagen GTI because the new Mark 8 uh, Gen GTI just was unveiled, and I want to talk about that versus the uh two series specifically the two twenty eight i grand coupe because they're uh they're quite similar in a lot of ways, but uh you know I think one car has a significant advantage over the other so I want to talk about that but let's get started with the m two Futura two thousand the reason I wanted to talk about that is because I was there I was there in person uh for the unveiling and it was really exciting um it was it was really cool because actually shoot. BMW flew me out to LA, uh, where it was being unveiled and I got to sit in at the, uh, the Soho house, which was really cool. Um, it's a really, really interesting, like very hip, very stylish. Uh, I don't know what it is actually, but it was, it was very cool. Cause there's like a huge restaurant and like a bar area and like a lounge area. And there's like an art gallery. It's really cool. It was really interesting, really fun place and i got to sit in i went to sit in i stood there drinking a heineken uh while watching a uh, futura 2000 and lube fiasco do a bit of a sit down and kind of talk uh, about you know art in general the they didn't really discuss the car too much it was kind of just more about art where they got started you know uh just things like that uh, you know what it means to be an artist and to create you know actual works of art and they're two very different artists so that was uh interesting because you know lupe fiasco is a musician and Futura's is uh an actually like he's a you know an artist he first started with graffiti and now he's you know he's done so many different things he's designed everything from you know, he's done actual artwork to designing sneakers like he's done everything um so and they're different generations you know lupe fiasco is pretty recent um whereas futura has been doing art he's been an artist since the 70s so, you know, they've been, a, like, Futura's been around a long time, Lupe, Lupe is relatively uh, new and modern, and, you now so it was interesting to get their very different takes on art, but also how similar they were. So that was a really, really, um, really fascinating talk, actually. They both had some really interesting insight. Um, Lupe Fiasco was, you know, he was really, really intelligent. He had this his wonderful, like, outlook on just work ethic and, and artwork and how to, you know how to create that was really that was really uh cool to hear but um future also had some really great stories you know he had some really really great stories about you know kind of just growing up in you know new york and you know he was you know in the military and kind of like getting work ethic from the military and coming back and you know kind of translating what he learned the work ethic he learned in the military but also using his artistic skills and translating it all together and uh you know making artwork and you know tagging trains and stuff cool it was really cool really interesting guy um it, it was really fun to to, to sit there and, and listen to them talk but uh but then the following day we actually got to go to the paramount studios backlot which was really really awesome that was a great experience because um a little known fact about me i actually grew up in burbank and i used to go to the warner brothers studio uh backlot often with my dad and uh so going back to the pattern that was i mean years and years ago i was like It was like 25 years ago, so maybe even a little bit more. So going back to, or going to Paramount Studios, I know it's a different studio, but it had a had a very similar vibe, and I was like brought right back to my childhood. So it was pretty cool. Um, But we got to go there, and that's where we saw the actual car, the M2 Futura 2000 Edition, and they had it there. You know, we were walking through movie sets, you know, giant like fake buildings. It was pretty cool. And uh, we got there, and BMW M CEO Marcus Flash was there, and he spoke with uh, Futura 2000 about the car, about the project, you know, why they got started, how they got started, and how he did it. And essentially, the car started out as a Hockenheim Silver M2 competition, and basically BMW gave BMW M specifically, I want to stress that, that this is a BMW M specific project. This was not done by the BMW Group, this was done by the M Division uh, on its own um and so they gave lupe or Lupefisk, i'm sorry uh future 2000 the m2 competition and they said have at it do whatever you want you know here you go they gave him some cool t- tools you know airbrushes and all sorts of interesting stuff to paint with but he did it all by hand and he painted the whole car and it's crazy that it was hockenheim silver originally because the car's black <laughs> he painted he repainted the whole car so it's not like you know he just you know scribbled some stuff on there like he painted the whole car <laughs> Over again, and then you know I added a lot of interesting stuff it's like there's a star pattern there there's lightning bolts, there are buzz saws it's a really, really funky car, and it looks great. um I saw a lot of people kind of criticizing it that it you know it didn't look that special or it kind of looked you know maybe a little bit boring uh in pictures, but that's in pictures you have to see it in person, you can really see the depth of the paintwork in person. you can really see it, and it looks fantastic it's really, really cool to see. Uh, in person, and the level of detail that he, he went into, I and mean, he did it by hand, you have to remember that, this isn't like some, you know, fancy machine process where BMW has a bunch of, you know, robots painting this car, I mean, it was done by hand, admittedly, um, BMW is going to replicate it with machines, so, and that's what's a really interesting part about this car, because, in. I got to interview BMW CEO Marcus Flash about this, and I asked him specifically, what is the difference between this car, the Futura 2000 car, and previous art cars? And the major difference is that BMW is going to sell this one. Um, firstly, art cars start off as, you know, commissioned cars. It's, it's done by committee. They, they figure out what artists they're going to do, how they, how they want it to look, what car they're going uh, to paint, and stuff like that. This was far looser. It was BMW M saying, all right, we like Futura 2000, they asked him what car he wanted to paint, so he picked the M2 Competition, and they said, "All right, do whatever the hell you want, have fun, and we're going to sell it." And but the fact that they're going to sell it is the biggest difference between this and previous art cars, and BMW is actually going to make a few hundred of them, and that's really, really incredible if you think about it. I mean, think about all the great art cars throughout history. The, um, you know, the the Andy Warhol ones, the most famous. The Andy Warhol M1 is the most famous. I mean, think about that. Think about seeing that. On The road that is what this future 2000 car is going to be because people are going to be able to buy it and drive it around and that's fantastic. I mean it's rolling artwork. Um, It's really 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 exciting to be honest and and the fact that BMW is going to do more BMW M specifically is going to do more. That's one of the other things I asked Marcus Flash about was uh, if they have any plans for more in the future and not only did he say they they will do in the future but they already have artists lined up. They already know who they're going to choose and uh, they already have some projects, you know, sort of in the pipeline. They they know what they're going to be doing in the future. So that's really exciting um, that there's going to be more of these. And it just kind of uh, adds to what I kind of complained about like months ago. And it was the fact that I complained that BMW doesn't seem to have a lot of fun anymore. Everything's very serious and very... You know, like you know, everything's super laid out and everything needs to be very exact and intelligent and everything needs a bit perfect business plan. And it's all very serious and, and sensible. But BMW, I said BMW needs to have a little bit more fun, you know, kind of be a little looser and do some more interesting stuff. And this is a good example of that. This is a good example of having some fun. You know, it wasn't done by committee. This was BMW M saying, let's do something cool. And let's get Futura 2000 in here and just let him have at it. Just give him all the tools he wants, whatever the hell car he wants, and just let him go to town. And that was what was cool about it. I liked it a lot. I just like the idea of it, I think, a lot. I think the car looks cool, and it looks... It's really impressive, actually, we see it in person. I mean, the fact that he did it all by hand is really impressive. But it's also just a great idea. You know, it's just BMW M saying, let's do something crazy. Let's sell an art car. You know, let's sell a couple hundred of them. You know, that's, that's amazing to me. That's something really fun that car companies don't do enough of. And also, it shows off BMW's individual program because, I mean, if you look on the inside of the car, it has, uh, you know, like the, the, even the trim on the dash and on the door panels is is designed by him. Uh, you know, it has a, in the door sills. It has his signature tag, like uh, illuminated in the door sills, too. They're actually illuminated. It's not just like, you know, a plaque with some writing on it. It's pretty impressive. And it shows off how extensive the individual program can get. That's another thing I asked Marcus Flash. I said, you know, how does this show off the individual program and how do you, you know, kind of, you know, what, what can customers get? Like What can customers actually do? And what he told me was basically anything that can be homologated for the road, anything that can pass safety, you know, crash standards or anything like that can be made for your car from BMW individual. So that's really, really, it's, I think it's just a great to show that off. And that's kind of another reason why this car was made, was BMW wants people to know about the individual program, and they needed something, you know, they needed a halo car, so to speak. They needed something that customers can see and kind of get an idea of how just how extensive the program really is. So I thought that was that was great that BMW did that. And I want to just thank BMW for having me out there, because it was a really fascinating experience. I mean, something that... I would never ever do. I mean, we were also at the freeze. It was the freeze LA show. Is that how I say it? I don't even know how to say it because it's such a really um, high end, fashionable, stylish event. You know, at the Paramount Studios back lot. I mean, just millions of people—not millions, but like you know, tens of thousands of people are there, and artists from all over and celebrities, and they're all there looking at amazing art and showing off their amazing artwork, and it's very you know, it's very stylish and very hip, and it's not me, and I'm not dogging that, you know, I'm the nerd in the room, I was the one there, I felt like everyone was looking at me like I was the old dad, you know, it was like, I didn't have dad jeans on, but you're looking at me like I'm wearing dad jeans, and that's kind of what it felt like, because I was definitely the corniest person there, Um, I was definitely the nerd of the room, Um, and side note, side note, uh, Travis Scott was there, and I didn't get to see him i didn't get to meet him he got there as i left and i was kind of disappointed about that i don't really honestly listen to travis scott to be honest I, i guess maybe i am the corny dad in the room i don't really know any of his songs but a lot of uh a lot of my friends and family members do so the fact that he was there i seemed kind of cool to them so that was pretty cool um but the nerd in me also knows that brie larson the actress who plays captain marvel was there and i didn't get to meet her and i'm a huge marvel nerd so i was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to see her while I was there. I mean, not like I could have gotten within a thousand feet of her, but it would have been pretty awesome to know that I'd like see that I was in the same uh, vicinity as a superhero. But uh, actually the whole, just the whole getting there, the whole experience was just amazing. Even just getting there, BMW lent me a BMW MA50i convertible to drive from the airport to the hotel, to the event and back to the airport. Um, so I didn't have to take Ubers or they didn't have to bother shuttling me around or anything like that, which is a lot easier. And the convertible they gave me the m a fifty i convertible they gave me, I honestly don't even remember the exterior color. I was in such a mad rush to get from the airport to the hotel and everywhere back and forth. I honestly didn't even look at it, but the interior color was part of b m w s individual program as well, and it was some crazy, funky brown and cream and it was it was different, it was interesting and uh the first thing i did as soon as i was like this is a convertible in la it's a convertible 8 series in la the weather's beautiful i'm coming from cold wet new jersey the weather is gorgeous here in la i'm dropping the top it was the first thing i did before i even got out of the parking garage as soon as i pull out i'm like oh this this was a mistake (laughs) dropping the top was a mistake because it's like porn set like 70s porn set brown on the inside and i'm driving through la and LA unfortunately right now has a really serious homeless problem and that's not that's not the funny part that's not funny at all that's actually quite tragic and it's really sad to see um but what is kind of funny is that I looked like a complete asshole driving around in a convertible 8 series worth over hundred thousand dollars in the most obnoxious obnoxious brown interior color and it it pops and bangs in the exhaust, and there's just like homeless people in tents, and I'm like, oh my god, I look like such a tool bag, like this is a bad idea, so I I immediately started putting putting the roof up, like don't please don't look at me, please don't hate me, please don't hate me, just putting the roof up in the most obnoxiously opulent car, I mean, this side of like a green Lamborghini, that was the most, I I, I don't think I could have felt more uncomfortable (laughs) in a car than I was right then and there, but so that was pretty funny, like, it wasn't funny in the moment. I felt really bad in the moment. Now looking back, it's pretty funny. And if like I saw that on TV, that would be really funny. But it wasn't funny in the moment at all. Um, it was kind of like I actually felt like a huge jerk. But uh, so, but even just getting there was incredible. Just driving through some gorgeous scenery, um, and like you know, again, going to Paramount Studios backlot to the Freeze event, to Soho House, and seeing all that. So I just really, really want to thank BMW because it was a really cool experience. And uh, one I would never have ever gone to otherwise. So it was kind of like a once in a lifetime thing for me. Um, And it was just really, really amazing. So I want to thank BMW for that. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. I want to talk about something really hip and really cool. Wagons. That's right. We're going to talk about wagons again. You're going to listen to me talk about them even more. And that's because recently a BMW dealer in Chicago uh, said that he thought BMW should sell some wagons in the U.S., and that is a bit odd because BMW keeps saying the reason it won't sell wagons in the States is that they just don't sell. But here we have a dealer, a prominent dealer, a very, very big dealer in the U.S., one of the biggest, saying, hey, we need some wagons to compete with uh, Mercedes and Audi. So that's a little odd. Uh, BMW saying they don't sell, but you have someone who actually sells BMW products saying we need them to sell them. So it's a bit odd that you have that discrepancy there. Um, And I think honestly that the dealer is probably right because you have a segment of people that buy wagons um, in America. Whether BMW wants to admit it or not or people want to recognize it or not. Maybe it's not BMW's main clientele, I don't know. But people do buy wagons. I know that because the Mercedes E-Class wagon is one of the most popular uh, cars that Mercedes sells to rich people. I actually learned this recently that the E-Class wagon is its average customer has like two or three other really high end Mercedes. It's it's like the car that really rich people use as their daily. So there's seriously a market there for high end clientele for like a 5 series touring or something like that. There really is. Um but also Audi. Audi's selling a ton of all-roads right now. The A4 all-road is one of the brand's best sellers. I actually remember last year I was at an Audi dealership doing some work for uh you know another project of mine and um I was talking to one of the salespeople, and they said that the audi a four all road was their best selling car that month, which is kind of strange because I thought wagons don 't sell well in America, but people are buying the all road admittedly the all road's a little bit different because it has like fake plastic uh body cladding that makes it look kind of off roady but it 's not off roady it 's just an a four avant um that's has a higher ride height and some plastic bits so it 's really just a a four avant but it sells well. And I think it sells well in America because it kind of looks like it's sort of off-roads. But anyway, um, it's selling really well. And so well, in fact, that Audi is bringing the A6 all-road to America. So now you have two of BMW's major competitors. Actually, it's two closest competitors who are both selling wagons in the U.S. and selling them well, at least well enough to continue selling them. So when BMW says, so basically I have a little bit of a hard time believing BMW when it says, Yeah, we're not going to sell wagons in America because no one will buy them. But it's, you know, people are buying them. So it seems a little weird. Uh, I don't know what's going on. BMW maybe just doesn't want to take the risk uh, of selling them or selling them here and having them not sell well. I really don't know. But it's disappointing because the new 3 Series wagon is brilliant. The new 5 Series wagon is also brilliant. And, you know, I mean, we kind of want, you know, sportier wagons here. Like, let's bring some here. And uh, I know, I know, BMW constantly says they don't sell well, but it seems like they might be wrong. And, And not only do you have competitors selling them, again, as we talked about before, a BMW dealer in the U.S. is saying, come on, guys, give us some wagons to sell to compete with, you know, Mercedes and Audi down the street. If salespeople that make their money off of selling cars, selling BMWs, are telling us that they want more wagons in America, I don't know how much more of an indicator you need to start selling wagons here. I just, I don't get it. Um, But also, I think, I also want to talk about wagons a little bit, because I think they might be on the uptick, whether BMW wants to believe it or not, uh, on the uptick in America. And the reason for that is, you know, like everyone, uh, every generation, you know, across the globe, no one wants to be like their parents, right? No one wants to drive what their parents drove, because your parents are squares, right? My parents are squares, your parents are squares, everyone's parents are squares. That's just how it works. Um, and what do our parents drive and have driven? SUVs. Because, at least for millennials, right? I'm speaking as a millennial to millennials, our parents drove SUVs and still do. Because, you know, we grew up in the height of the SUV boom in America. You know, in the 90s, Ford Explorer was like the biggest car in the world when it came out. Stuff like that. Late 90s, you had the, you know, BMW X5, Lexus. Uh, LX, or I'm sorry, Lexus RX, you know, Mercedes ML class. You had tons of luxury SUVs coming out. So on the low end, high end, whatever, parents were buying SUVs and ditching minivans. So us millennials, we don't really want SUVs anymore because we don't want to be like our parents. So millennials still have families and still have children. We still need extra space, right? So what will we buy? Wagons! Wagons, I think, will be on the uptick soon. I think wagons are going to start to come back because of the fact that they offer the space and practicality of an SUV, um, but with the better looks and the better handling of a sedan. And also we don't have to be like our parents. So there's that. Also, we are now firmly in an age of efficiency, you know, where cars have to be greener than ever before and, you know, more economical than ever before. And cars need to get better gas mileage than ever before and, let you know, produce less emissions than ever before. So because of that, what are the worst cars for, you know, fuel economy and emissions? SUVs. They're big and heavy, and they are needlessly inefficient. Um, So millennials are, you know, they're chasing green cars. They're chasing efficiency. And I think, you know, if you need space, but you don't want to be, you know, terribly inefficient, you don't want to pollute the air or waste fuel, you're not going to get an SUV. You're going to get a wagon. It just makes more sense, honestly. Um, You know, and maybe I'm just a car enthusiast who's biased towards wagons but uh you know just it, the wagon makes so much more sense than an suv to me because you're getting the space you're getting the practicality but you're not getting all of the pitfalls of an suv you're not getting the obnoxious uh, fuel economy or lack thereof you're not getting uh the crazy poor emissions you're not getting all the weight that makes it drive and handle like crap they're not ex- as expensive as suvs traditionally are So it's just, it seems to me like the wagon is the much better car. And I think millennials are going to start to understand that. And with the fact that they don't want to be like their parents and that emissions and efficiency are becoming more important than ever before, they're going to start to want something smaller and more efficient, but also have space to fit their family and stuff. So I think wagons are going to be coming back in America. So BMW, get ready. We want three series wagons. Just getting it out there now. Lastly, I want to talk about a car that I personally like very much, um, and I want to compare it to a car I don't like very much, and that's the, I want to talk about the Volkswagen GTI versus the BMW 228i Grand Coupe. Like, let's start out, though, with the uh, Volkswagen GTI. So, the Mark eight g GTI just debuted a couple of days ago. It was just unveiled a couple of days ago, excuse me, uh, online. I can't go buy it anywhere, but it's been unveiled online, and it looks great. I mean, it's a GTI. It looks as good as GTIs always look, and it has an interior that's great. You know, it looks like a GTI, um, it has a cabin like a GTI, you know, specs like a GTI, It's pricing like a GTI. You know, it's really not uh, that unexpected. However, it's a brilliant car. It really is. It always has been. The GTI has always been an amazing car. Personally, I think that the GTI is pound for pound, dollar for dollar, the best car in the world because it's cheap that's always less than $30,000 it's it's quick enough to be fun Um, it's not light your hair on fire fast but it's certainly fast enough to be fun in Um, it comes with a manual gearbox it's comfortable they always ride well GTIs they have great interiors and they're practical and fuel efficient there's just nothing it can't do aside from like tow a boat there's nothing the GTI is bad at and it's cheap um, and there's a lot of things that it's great at. It's not a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. You know, it's probably still the best-driving hot hatch on the market. The last one was. The Mark Seven was the best hot hatch on the market. So the Mark 8 I'm assuming, is, is going to be as well. And, you know, it, it's almost impossible to compete with that level of competence. Like, it's just such an all-around incredible car. It's such a well-rounded package at such a good price. To me, if you're spending, like, under $40,000, you just get a GTI just forget everything else, just get a GTI, because it's the best car, so when I, when I saw that the GTI was unveiled, and it looks good, and it has all the great specs, and it still comes in the manual, and it's got a 2 liter turbo for 245 horsepower, and 273 pound-feet of torque, which is a lot for a little 2 liter, and a lot for a GTI, I mean, I saw that, I immediately thought, I immediately, I thought of the 228i Grand Coupe, BMW's entry-level 2 series in America, and the reason I thought of that was because if you look at the 228i Grand Coupe, which starts starts at 30, almost 38 grand. yes, it comes with all-wheel drive, but that is its only advantage over the GTI. It starts at probably about almost $10,000 more than the GTI does, yet it's less powerful, it's slower, it's less practical, it's worse looking, and it's going to be more expensive to maintain and all that stuff over the years if you actually buy it and not lease it. So what advantage does the 2 Series have over the GTI, uh, aside from brand prestige? And and the thing is, now the 2 Series is front-wheel drive based. Yes, it's all-wheel drive in America as standard. You can't get a front-wheel drive 2 Series Grand Coupe in America. However, it's a Haldex all-wheel drive system. And anyone who knows anything about Haldex knows that it's basically front-wheel drive all of the time and it can send power to the rear when it needs it, but the maximum amount of power it can send to the rear is 50% of the power. So that means at absolute best, it's a 50-50 torque split, and it's only going to be that for very, very, very short periods of time when it absolutely needs it. So under like 90% of the circumstances that you're driving it in, it's going to be front-wheel drive, or very, very front-biased. So the idea that Like, it used to be you don't get a GTI over a 3 Series even though it's a lot cheaper and just as, you know, almost as fast and still a lot of fun because a 3 Series is rear-wheel drive and it has those dynamics you can't get in a GTI. But now those dynamics are gone in the 2 Series Grand Coupe because it's front-wheel drive-based. So there's really no advantage to the 2 Series. And I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking to myself, who in the right mind would buy a 228i Grand Coupe over the GTI? The GTI is brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant car, and the 228i Grand Coupe, and I'm sure it's a good car, because I've driven the, the M235i Grand Coupe, and it's a fine car. I'm not trying to say it's a bad car, or, you know, there's there's nothing to like about it, but now that the new GTI is here, I just can't see why you'd buy one. I just can't see why you'd buy the BMW. I don't, um, and I'm a BMW fan. You know, my first car was a BMW. I like for BMW blog. I love BMW as a brand, but I just don't see it here. It doesn't make any sense, and another big advantage for the g t i is its manual gearbox. You can't get a manual in the two series it's automatic only, so it's kind of like the worst of all worlds for b m w enthusiasts it's front wheel drive based automatic only you know two two liter turbo four cylinder less than like two hundred and thirty horsepower or something I think it's like two hundred and twenty something horsepower you know it's not fast it's not good looking you know it's very funky looking some people do like it but honestly most people don't you know to be to speak honestly you know not you know try to <laughs> try to save face with some bmw employees i was at the, the la auto show when they unveiled the m235i for the first time and the amount of people enthusiasts journalists and people from other car companies walking past and going what the hell is going on there it actually looks pretty good from like a b-pillar forward, but b-pillar rearward it's like what is going on there um so the fact that it's funky looking and very, very different, uh, yet the GTI looks like a GTI. It's not gorgeous. It's not a beautiful car, but it just looks like a GTI. It looks great. It looks fine. It's, you know, it's handsome enough. It's simple. It's not offensive in any way. And if you get it with the right wheel package and the right color scheme, it actually looks really cool. So to me, if you have under $40,000 and you want to buy something interesting, you just get a GTI you don't think about the 2 Series Grand Coupe, you don't think about the 228i Grand Coupe especially, maybe the M235i, but it's more than $40,000, which is insane to me. Um, you just get a GTI. Now, I will say, I will say, if the 228i Grand Coupe was cheaper, if it was like $32,000, then I could understand maybe wanting to get the 2 Series over the GTI. And the reason is, is that I, and I'm saying this before I've driven or even sat in the new GTI or even the, the new Mark 8 Volkswagen Golf, like the plain Golf, um, the 2 Series is probably going to have better interior materials. And I'm not knocking Volkswagen because I actually, again, I love the GTI and I think that its interior is always by far the best you can get for the money. But... The 2 Series, having been inside of it, is really impressive material-wise on the inside. It feels very, very well-built. It feels just as well-built as a 3 Series costing $10,000 more. It is impeccably made on the inside. The materials are great. The design is great. The technology is top of the line. You know, it's, it's a very impressive car to sit in and be in. So I think if you're just a customer who isn't looking for performance, you're not an enthusiast, And there's only a couple thousand dollars difference between the two. Then I can see stepping up to the 2 Series because you're getting the more premium car at that price. But it's not only a few thousand dollars difference. It's almost $10,000 difference. Now, pricing hasn't been announced for the GTI. Volkswagen has said expect a small increase over the previous GTI. But it's still going to be under thirty thousand dollars. The previous GTI was like twenty-six grand to start. Even if it's twenty-eight or twenty-nine thousand dollars, the new one, it's still going to be under thirty. And if it's under, even if it's thirty, even if it's thirty on the nose, the two twenty-eight I grant coupe is thirty-seven and change, like thirty-seven to eight. So that's almost eight thousand dollars more, and that is not worth the small increase in premium materials on the inside, because the GTI is still great, and the GTI has something on the inside that the two series doesn't and that's character has those tartan cool plaid seats you can get a golf ball shift knob for the manual gearbox and it just has like this overall funky charm to it that the two series doesn't yes the two series is nice on the inside but it kind of feels very business-like it feels very serious and it feels very very typically bmw it's very you know you know, dark and you know the color <laughs> the materials are great yes but it just feels very serious and buttoned down and sensible and you know like this is how interiors are supposed to be there's no fun here it's just business and it just kind of that's how it seems um admittedly they have the cool illuminated trim thing and that's kind of fun but really it's still just a typical bmw interior with the materials again materials are great but uh you know it just doesn't have a lot of character on the inside whereas the gti does so you know small increases in material quality aren't really worth losing that character and they're certainly not worth eight thousand dollars you know especially when you think about the fact that the gti is more practical too you know it has a hatchback rather than a regular trunk and have you seen the trunk on the 2 series grand coupe yeah the, the actual trunk size isn't bad but the opening is small so like it's actually kind of difficult to get stuff in whereas the gti is super easy you pop the whole tailgate open and you have a huge trunk opening. And then if you need to, you fold the rear seats down and you have a massive trunk. So like, it just, to me, there's no point in getting a 2 Series Grand Coupe at all, honestly. Because the 228i Grand Coupe, forget that, stuff that, get a GTI. The M235i Grand Coupe, forget that, get a 3 Series. And this goes back to a thing I was saying a couple of weeks ago, the fact that the 2 Series Grand Coupe is just overpriced. That's its biggest problem. You know, yeah, it's funky looking, and I personally don't, don't like it, but a lot of people probably do like it. You know, I, admittedly, I haven't met a lot of them, as I said before. The LA Auto Show wasn't; the comments weren't pretty. But I'm sure there are a lot of customers that do like it and do think it's cool looking. And I'm not saying that they're wrong, because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to style or design. If you've seen the way I dress, you would know that. Um, but you know, it just—it's just too expensive. There's, the value isn't there, because you know, it's—it's almost—you know—it's almost forty grand, and a BMW 330i is forty grand. And the 330i is a fantastic car. Three, like, I feel like I'm knocking BMW, but it's not BMW. It's just the 2 Series. The 3 Series is a brilliant, brilliant car. So if you can just almost get the 3 Series, get the 3 Series. If you can't just almost get the 3 Series, get a GTI. That's really what it comes down to, in my personal opinion. Uh, and I think, because I, I wrote an article about this earlier in the week, and I think that uh, a lot of enthusiasts kind of agree with that that sentiment because the gti has always been an amazing car it's always been uh, you know incredible value again pound for pound dollar for dollar i think it's the best car in the world you know i don't think any car combines that much value uh in in one package in a good looking package that's fun to drive and you know practical it's just a, it's an incredible package i just love the gti um and i don't love the two series that's really what it comes down to but i love the three series so that's how it goes if you can't get a 3 Series, get a GTI. Skip the 2 Series Grand Coupe. Sorry, BMW. I know that's not great uh, business advice for you guys. But, uh, gotta be honest. Objectivity is king. Um, yeah. But that's uh, that's about all we have for this week. Now, next week, I believe our own Harashio is joining us. And uh, he has some very interesting stories to tell. If he has time, you know, that's what's planned as of right now. But you never know, because uh, we're very busy, so... Hopefully he does because uh, he has some interesting stories to tell. He was just in Portugal driving the new BMW M235i Grand Coupe, uh, which we were just talking about. Um, now, it's again, it's a car I didn't really love, but he got to drive it extensively. You know, we only sampled it pre uh, previously. So hopefully he has some better news than what I was just giving you <laughs> about the 2 Series Grand Coupe. But he was able to drive that, you know, a lot extensively on the road, you know, give it a really proper road test. And then he flew All the way over back to the United States, I believe it was in Arizona, uh, driving the the new X5M, an X6M, which is very exciting. Um, I actually recently just drove the X6M 50i, and I can't imagine it being any faster than that, because that thing's crazy fast. Um, And I personally want to know about the X5M, because I like that one better, because it's better looking to me. Uh, And it's also, I actually, I, I love the way both of them drive. They're fantastic cars. Uh, the fantastic SUV so I can only imagine what like you know the M division and 600 horsepower can do so it's going to be really exciting to uh to hear what he has to say and I'm sure he's got some interesting stories to tell from uh from those test drives so stay tuned for next week and as always ask me questions or tell me anything share anything you want me to share on on, uh, on here and that's you can reach me at nico nico at bmwblog.com so that is it for this week thank you for listening